10 for Brendan Taylor. Stumps podcast, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. As always, it is great to be with you. And I tell you what, if you haven't heard of the podcast before, we have some superb interviews, uh, the likes of Fazir Mohammed, the very much loved West Indian commentator, but then you have the likes of Kumar Sangakara as well. A.B. de Villiers is also on there, J.P. Dumini, David Gower, Michael Holding, Dave Houghton, Andy Flower. There are a number of Dean Jones in his own forthright and almost arrogant way has quite a bit of good things to say as well. So it is a cricket lover's undiscovered treasure trove. And if you want to subscribe, all you do is you go to your favorite podcast app, be it Apple Podcast, be it Spotify, Overcast, Downcast. You look for Dean at Stumps, you subscribe and the world is your oyster. Now, it gives me a great amount of pleasure to add to the list, the ever-growing list, Zimbabwe's current test captain, Sean Williams. Willie, how are you doing? All right, Dina, how are you? I'm well, mate. I'm well. I, I would imagine this this uh, frustration of not getting any cricket. Initially, we were told there was going to be so much cricket coming our way, and then COVID-19 struck. It must be incredibly frustrating for you because we could have probably and would have been in the middle of uh, training or, or one of the series that we uh, initially were supposed to have played. Yeah, look, um, obviously we had just come from a tour and we'd had a full full fixture for for the year 2020 and um, COVID came. So, yeah, it's been tough. It's been disappointing at the same time. But, you know, it is what it is and it's actually out of our control. So we have to just abide by the rules that um, are set out for us to actually resume training at the moment. Um, and everything seems to be fine. So getting back to training uh, has been awesome. Look, there's only five of us training, but she's just so nice to be back out on the field, taking catches, bowling, batting. It's been, it's been such fun. And also during that lockdown period, um, even though we're still on lockdown, um, the period we couldn't do anything and we were um, stuck in our homes, um, it really has made me appreciate the game more. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking, uh, I, I suck up every second I spend out on the field now. Is the training as intense? Because you're training, because you're obviously the lockdown has been eased. It hasn't been lifted, but it has certainly been eased. So do you find it as intense as it you know, would have been had you definitely been preparing for uh, an upcoming series? Yeah, look, um, in Bulawayo, there is only five of us, so you're restricted to who you face and what type of bowler you can face. Um, but there is the sidearm, and then we try and simulate sort of other areas of the game, like, for example, if we need um, 12 runs of six balls and we got death going last over, um, we'll simulate that. Obviously, we can't get within close quarters of each other, so um, no game situations yet. So it's just doing that kind of stuff in the nets. Um, and I do feel that... Because there's only five of us at the nets, each one of us is getting more out of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we get more yeah. time to spend on our games, personally, um, compared to when the full squad is there. Um, by the time you join the full squad, you normally have to be completely ready anyway. So, yeah, I feel the intensity is up up there. Mm. 
Now, you've, uh, although been very limited, uh, but you have been the captain of the side. We understand that, you know, there hasn't been a great deal of time for you to, I suppose, execute your skills as captain. But what has the experience been like so far? It's been it's been tricky, <laughs> and, and it's been awesome. Um, obviously, you know to take to take the the test cap um, from Hamilton and and leading going backwards to Brendan to Alistair Campbell to Heath Street to Andy to you know the, the list keeps going on and some great names there and and for my name to be up there on that list is an awesome achievement for me um, and it's an honour and I take it very seriously. Um, obviously, you know a lot. A lot of responsibility has come with that job now. And, um, yeah, I find myself as a person, I've changed, obviously, with the, with the responsibility, not only with the captaincy, but with my the birth of my child as well. Maybe feel I've matured a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, making decisions on behalf of everybody is always tough, as you are accountable for that. But um, uh, the guys that I have in my team make, do make it easy for me. I mean, I've got BT, who's got an incredible amount of, of knowledge in cricket. And um, obviously, Raz is exciting. And then I've got all the cool, calm dude, uh, old Craig Irvin, who's <laughs> my personally my favorite to go to um, on the field because obviously being calm and making a decision is, is important. So, yeah, having them there um, has made it very, very enjoyable as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, do we have any idea as to what cricket lies ahead of you? I mean, so we know that we're training this. Maybe there's talks of Afghanistan touring, but obviously the governments need to just finalize a few things. You know, it's all up in the air. But do you have any concrete um, tours that will be going ahead? Or are you still in the, as much in the dark as what we are? Um, I, we're pretty much in the, as, as much in the dark as you are at the moment. Um, so obviously, it's a it's a proposed tour which seems to have been confirmed. But obviously, because of the COVID cases rising and stuff within the country, um, and obviously the travel restrictions and quarantine restrictions as well would affect um, the tour. And obviously, they wouldn't put down dates until that's those areas have been um, organised um, for the safety of the players. Um, coming into Zimbabwe. So, yeah, as it stands, we actually don't know whether we whether the tour will go ahead or not, but we're preparing like it will. So that's a good thing as well. But at the same time, it is hard to prepare mentally um, for a game um, that you don't know if it's going to be played or not. I, I don't know if you understand. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it gets difficult sometimes where you, you sort of stand there and you think, geez, why am I doing this? Because there's no, nothing happening. But actually... You know, the guys here in Bulawayo, and I'm pretty sure the guys in Harare as well, have sort of changed that attitude and, and turned it into we are going to play. And the training has been intense, which has been awesome. I mean, the fitness levels are, are high this year, and that's good to see. Yeah, no, but I can understand what you're saying because, you know, you put in all the training only to, only to be told it's not happening. Uh, so so that in itself would be very frustrating. But you, you always live or do the work on that slight chance of maybe somebody, you know, you being approached and saying, right, guys, it's all systems happening and it's happening within within the next 10 days, you know. So you, you'll be equipped to deal with whatever situation comes your way. 
I, exactly. I would imagine. All right. So, Sean, let's take it back to uh, the very, very beginning. Now, the first time, other than obviously uh, under 19 or, you know, the various levels as you made your way up, the first time I came across your name representing Matabili Land, and of course, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that was back in 2004. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, when you made your debut, and uh, I remember Anthony Island getting you out pretty, pretty quickly. But I, I just remember yeah. the name Sean Williams. Sean Williams popping up time and time again, and sure enough, uh, about a year or so later, two thousand and five, you made your debut in the Bull Ring, uh, which is uh, the Wanderers in Johannesburg, and that is a very tough place to make your debut because of the noise factor. It's it's a very intimidating. Well, you can describe the ground better than I can, and you made it against. Africa as an 18-year-old, but you were playing more as a bowling all-rounder as opposed to a batting all-rounder. I would imagine a lot of that had to do with your age. You were still very young, but take us back to where it all started at international level. I mean, you know, up against Makai and Tini, you were also would have been bowling to Graham Smith. There were some very, very big names who you were watching on TV, say, maybe a month or so ago, and now suddenly you're up against them. Yeah, look, it was it was an exciting time, and it was also an extremely challenging time because uh, obviously Zimbabwe cricket had gone through that stage, and then the young team had come through, um, and then I got the call up. Um, and actually, funny enough, my dad started throwing to me from a wide angle. I was at BAC. I was I was actually playing a first class game in the in the for the B side um, just to get some game time and. My dad started throwing from wide of the crease. I was like, I don't want you to throw from wide of the crease. Can you throw from straight, please? And he said, I will not. And he kept on throwing. Flipping, he was throwing quick and coming through my chest. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's going to be tough where, what this cricket if you're going to continue to play in all this. And then that very afternoon, I got the call to say you're going on tour to South Africa. And I was like, oh, wow. And wow. then it all made sense to why my dad was doing that. Because obviously, Mikhail was going to be playing. So I was like, flip. So it it was a big surprise to me because obviously I was very young. I'd only just left school. Um, but then once once I got the the nod to play the night before the game and, and it was at the bull ring, geez, everything changed. Literally, um, I can't explain the feeling I had. It was just excitement. And I just wanted to phone everybody and tell everybody that I was playing. But obviously, you can't do that. No, um, no. So... Uh, yeah, and then I woke up in the morning, obviously very little sleep because I was very nervous, and then it was a day-night game. Um, so I had the whole morning to try and calm my nerves down. But yeah, once I took the field and I was standing doing the national anthem next to those A.B. de Villiers and Graham Smith and the, the Maccas and the Bouchers, I was like, this is where I want to be. Um, and I've never really looked back from there. Obviously, you know, there's always ups and downs, but yeah, I've never looked back. And that was probably... To be honest with you, the most um, goosebumpy moment I've ever had in my cricket career. I'm sure it was. But looking back at it now, and I mean, hindsight is such a, a wonderful thing that we can use. Do you maybe feel that at the time you were a bit young, would you have liked a bit more time playing first-class cricket, so playing for Matabele Land, but then also for the A-side? And then when when you would have made your international debut, you know, you would have had a bit more experience because that affected the entire team. You know, the only the most experienced player there would have been someone like Tatenda Taibu, who'd been around for, for some time your captain um is is that what you would have wanted would you have wanted a bit more experience um before before making your debut yeah definitely obviously like now that i'm older and i look back on it um i think it probably would have been the wise thing for me to have done is to have played more first 
first-class cricket and, and definitely more A-side cricket. Mm. Um, the A-side was extremely important to, to Zimbabwe cricket, to the national team. Obviously, it fed a lot. Uh, the national side fed a lot off that. Um, but I had just been into the academy with Kevin Curran and Casey, obviously, you know, you can see his boys now playing for England and they're top-quality players. And he, he I think, I, I would honestly say he's a guy that changed my life um, just before the national side because he, he got me ready and so did Phil Simmons. Um, it's almost like they knew it was happening before, which they probably did, but they, they seemed to start training me up th- that 12 months before everything happened. And I felt I felt batting-wise, I definitely wasn't ready and neither neither was I bowling-wise. But fielding-wise, I, could, I was always full of energy and I wanted to improve. Um, and to be honest, getting through... Getting through the international career like that, when you go through quite a bit of coaches and stuff, you actually end up learning a lot from your teammates more than anybody else. So like Roz and Craig and BT, I've learned so much from BT. Um, and then obviously Dave Hutton came along and that was that was priceless. I mean, he changed, he literally changed me from batting down and Phil Simmons, Phil Simmons and Dave Hutton together, both changed me from batting at like seven, eight and got me right at the top of the order and... Yeah, again, I'll never look back again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you should say that because you made your debut batting at number nine and then uh, that was at the Wanderers. Then we went on to Durban where, again, you batted down the order, got some runs. I remember one very casual, almost flick of the pads of Nicky Boyer uh, <laughs> that went uh, into the stands of a square leg for six. And I remember Robin Jackman and a couple of commentators saying, hey, up, there could be some potential here. But then the third one international in Port Elizabeth, that, of course, saw the return of Heath Street. So that would have bolstered the team, not even, not necessarily just in in uh, confidence, but just in from an experience level. So Streak was back and immediately made an impact with the bat by scoring an un, what seventy odd uh, to get Zimbabwe out of a lot of trouble. But one thing I thought that was a little unfair was suddenly they promoted you from batting. Uh, at number nine all the way up to number three I would have felt that yeah. maybe you in the middle order would have been slightly better do you think it was a bit too much uh, expecting a bit too much from you or did you relish the opportunity you see well again at the time I was so young I didn't really know what was going on around me because I was like caught up in this bubble of wow I'm, I'm on this big stage all of a sudden you know now you're staying in a fancy hotel <laughs> and you're getting escorts everywhere and I was stuck in that bubble and yeah. Uh, and I just played a four-day game prior to the prior to my debut in um, Benoni. It was, and we had Mourne Morkel and Paul Harris. I can't remember some. I think um, there, were, there were quite a few Titans players as well playing in, in in that team. And I ended up getting I think 76 or 80 odd not out actually to save to save the four-day game. Um, and from that moment on, I think Phil Simmons just said he's going to go up the order. Um, and he did that when I was in under-19s as well. And then he did the same to me uh, when I got into the national side. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe a little bit more middle order um, there because that morning of the game, I'll never forget, in Port Elizabeth, Mondays uh, on Decky was bowling and he was bowling with proper gas. Um, and obviously in my head before I'd even walked out to bat, that was it was done. So I remember nicking one to, five, to third man and then... Charles Langerfeld came on and, and licked me off straight away. Mm. So, yeah, mentally I was completely out of that one now and I've learned from it, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And and what what were then some of the more enjoyable ties? So I mean, that would have been enjoyable as well. I'm, I'm sure it was, despite the fact that Zimbabwe were badly beaten by South Africa. There would have been some wonderful learning experiences for you. And and and, and it 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 started to show in the way that you were performing. You know, I I remember particular 2006 a tour of Bangladesh. Zimbabwe have toured Bangladesh so many times, but yes, yes. the one in in 2006 that that stands out. One of these games where you took two catches, you took wickets. Uh, and you scored an 80 despite the fact that Zimbabwe lost. I mean, it's very difficult touring Bangladesh at the best of times. But suddenly you started to really make your presence known. Your left-arm spinners were being more um, recognized around the world, and you started to now establish yourself as a utility player. I think I'll call you that because you were number three, then you were number five, number six. But whatever the opportunities came your way, you tried your best to make the most of. And there were such similarities, Sean, to Andy Flower. So not perhaps in the way that he dominated uh, you know, Andy really dominated the crease, but the, there were such similarities in the way that you rotated the strike. You had this little shot that Andy's to play, you know, a little placing the ball into the mid-wicket, the gap between mid-on and mid-wicket, and then obviously the reverse sweeps, the sweep shots. Did you, were you able to watch a lot of Andy Flowers footage growing up as a kid, or how did you go about that? So, going, going back to the, to the first question, uh, obviously, you know, having Heath come back into the team for me was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Heath and Andy and Stewie Carlisle, Craig Wishart, uh, Taibu was there. Pommy, I'd played with Pommy before. Um, he was actually my captain at Tuskers. Now, those are the guys that I wanted to play with from being a kid. Yeah. And I was like, flipped. and then I got selected on the national side and their names went there. So I was happy, but at the same time, I was like, but um, I will wear those other guys. Like, hello, like they my <laughs> childhood heroes. Yeah. Then Streaky came on the tour. So that first time standing with him um, in the National Anthem going down, geez, I had a huge amount of respect and I just looked up to him so much um, and obviously to Grant as well. And to, I just wanted to play with them. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be in the same team as them. Um, and then... Obviously, Andy, geez, I've watched, I don't think I missed too many innings of Andy, to be honest with you. He was a left-hander, and I'll never forget as a kid, he was watching, I think it was under-16 trials, and I got my elbow nice and high, and I, I batted really nicely at the trials, and he ran onto the field, and he said, well played, that you keep that elbow nice and high. To this day, I still tell myself the same thing on the cricket field. So, yeah, the, I, I was a dream to play with Andy. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um but I did take a lot out of his book. And then obviously moving around in the order, going from number three to four to five to seven to all over, I realized very quickly that I needed to be versatile um, and very flexible as a cricket player. So I needed to be able to bowl in certain situations as well as bat all around the order. So And then it came to me and my dad would to um, back to the drawing board to say, right, you need to bat, be able to bat from number three to number six, no problem at all. So if they tell you today you're going number six, you can handle that situation. If they tell you you're going in four, you can handle it. So I started to play around more at the nets by doing different situations. Um, and then I ended up slotting myself slap bang into the middle of all of that. Yeah. What are you all those years later now? Which posi- Where do you prefer batting? Are you happy at number four? I'm happy at number four and number five. Those are, mm. are my, my places. So I, I love them. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, so what, what are some of the um, the happier times 
individually. We'll get to the team stuff uh, a little later on, but already you've you've uh, you know spoken at length about some of the players who you wanted to play with and who you did briefly end up playing with. But some of those personal personal achievements. I remember it took you a while before you got your first one day hundred, and I know you were desperately disappointed on a number of occasions for not being able to do that. Either you ran out of time and you let, were left eighty odd not out, or you know you weren't quite able to convert the fifty into a hundred. But eventually that that first hundred came against Afghanistan at Queens and Bulawayo. Um, was that was that a huge sigh of relief? And then and then the Test hundred obviously against New Zealand, something that you would have been happy about. T- tell us the, the the emotions that you go through when you you get those starts. You feel like you're never going to get out, and then the next thing you get out, and then eventually converting those that start in finally getting those three figures. Yeah, that um, that hundred against my first hundred against Afghanistan was definitely a monkey off my bat my back. Um, it had been on my case for so long and my family had kept on telling me, you know, you keep on making 70, you keep on making 70. And I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why and how, why do I keep losing my concentration there? What's going on? Um, and obviously as I've got older, I've started to make better decisions over a longer period of time, which is basically what we try and do in the national team now. You know, if you, you're nice and calm, you make good decisions, good things are going to continue to happen for you. So once I got to that, that 100, I took, I, I immediately went back and I was like, right, what did I do right there? And I was actually quite aggressive um, in that 100 um, compared to being quite um, in the 70s and 80s before. I was always very, I got there and I was like, oh, in my mind, I was like, geez, I better, you know, start being a little bit more cautious and yeah. look for singles and stuff. And then I ended up missing out on opportunities that came my way to score and to score quickly. Um, and then I, I've changed that, and now obviously it's, I've become more aggressive and more, you know, cricket is a game about hitting the ball. Um, so let's hit the ball, um, basically, is what I came up with. And <laughs> Dave Houghton and Lance Klusner have a big, big, big role to play in that as well. Um, but, yeah, that Test 100, oof, that was awesome. That that was a good one for me, especially considering I was extremely sick. Um, yeah, there was a few words and stuff swapped with me and the coach that morning it was Maka um, so for me to be able to stand up on the, uh, at the end of the day I actually wasn't even standing I was lying down on the floor um, most of the most of the time but most of that test match actually I was just on the floor in the change room so for me to come out of that that one alive um, with a hundred um, my mental strength from there just went straight through the roof and I knew now what I couldn't couldn't do but yeah, those personal moments for me and, and obviously one that stands out, the happiest moment on the cricket field for me personally was when I got Raza, Hamilton and Vusi um, all out for a hat-trick in the Bangladesh Premier League. That oh wow! Goodness me, getting all the Zimbabweans out—that uh, that would have been. I don't think too many people actually know about that because obviously that that particular league is a bit difficult to follow here in Southern Africa. So, um, uh, what was it like playing in? Was it a very competitive league? I mean, you would have you would have been playing in front of huge crowds as well, wouldn't you? 
No, look, look, the crowds weren't really there because it's club cricket. Right, but right, right. I was in my team at that time. I had Tamim McBell, I had um, Sinan Ike from Sri Lanka, I had Angelo Matthews, and I had De Silva as well, also from Sri Lanka. Yeah. He was our keeper opening batsman. So it was really strong. And then a, a, year, a couple of years later, I went back, I played with Sean Urban, uh, Ian Bell's been there. Just a strong, strong league, a very strong league. For mm. club cricket league, it's extremely strong. Me. It's it's amazing you should mention the name Sean Irvin because it, in some ways the two of you have similarities, uh, but just in the sense of how you've been able to improve as batsmen. Obviously, Sean, a very big, strong, muscular sort of a guy. You are wiry, but, you know, and he bowled medium pace, you bowled spin. But I guess the point I'm getting to is both left-handers, both starting off Sean Irvin, when he was picked, he also, exactly like you, batted way down at number nine and was playing more as a bowling all-rounder and then made his way up to a middle-order batsman, which then earned him a very long and, and relatively successful career with Hampshire. So did you, I suppose, did you look up to Sean in, in certain aspects? Definitely I looked up to Sean. In Zimbabwe cricket, um, I actually got his number on my back. If you Number 14 actually belonged to Sean Irvin yes. um, before I took it. So um, it was an extremely proud moment for me again to be able to take his number. Um, you know, it's quite a... It's quite a, a sentimental thing that we have in the national side where with, with your number on the back, you know, you've earned it and you keep it. No one can just walk in and just take it. Um, so, yeah, to, to wear his number <laughs> is, is nice. Um, and he knows it and, and, yeah, we enjoy it together when we do see each other. I get on well with him, uh, which is nice. He always loses to me at golf, which is not nice for him, but good for me. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> um, and and then some of the team performances. Uh, I'll, I'll obviously name a few, and you're more than welcome to name some of the the more obscure ones. But those that just meant, I would imagine, for example, winning a Test match in Bangladesh after so many years of not being able to win. That would have been special back in 2018. The one day series win against Sri Lanka in 2017 in Sri Lanka. That was incredibly special. There seemed to be in, in that particular series, that 2017 tour of Sri Lanka. I must admit the vibe and the team spirit looking in and observing as an outsider seemed to be very very good yeah it was it was extremely strong that that uh, Sri Lanka win in Sri Lanka is number one on my list um, that was an awesome tour um, to be on we had actually just come from Holland and Scotland where we had just lost games in both places um, so to, to then go on to Sri Lanka and, and beat them was geez that was um a remarkable feat. And I mean, some of the guys played some serious cricket. I mean, Raz was unbelievable. Hammy was so good. Um, who are Solly, Solly was just, she's yeah. up front. He was hitting the ball so hard. It was just like, I was like, wow, like, yeah. this is awesome. This is cricket. Like we actually at that stage where, you know, where someone like, if you play in South Africa and they hit the ball at you and cover you like, geez, he hits that hard. <laughs> You know, now, no one really used to say that about us, but on that tour, guys were saying, like, yeesh, that guy can smash it, this guy. So they started to talk about us. And I think once they started to talk about us, our guys grew in confidence. And once that happened, she I mean, Ross, to win the series, just runs down and bangs six runs. You know, that's, that's fearless cricket, and that, that's the way we, we played. Um, we weren't told how to play. That's just the way we played. Um, and that's the way we play. So... Hopefully, um, we can get that back with some of the new guys coming in. They're exciting players as well. So, 
Yeah, that um, that series was good. And then I'm going to say, you know, that the 2015 World Cup, um, I know, look, it was good for me and good for Brendan. Um, but as a team, I've never had so much fun in my life before on really? cricket tour. Um, that was unbelievable. We did everything together. We went out together. We went to eat together. We played together. We were in a hotel together. Everything was just it was just awesome. No one fought with each other. It was, and I th- and I think we played reasonable cricket at the at the at the World Cup in in 2015. Pretty about the Pakistan game, but she's the the team unity there was incredible. Really, and and I mean I, the one game that naturally will spring to mind will be that wonderful partnership between yourself and Brendan Taylor uh, against India, where both of you were were playing the reverse sweep virtually at will. You rotated the strike. It was very special. Would that would that go down as one of your special, I suppose, partnerships with somebody? You've been involved in a couple of very good ones. I remember Vusi Sibanda in 2013 to secure the series win over Bangladesh and Bulawayo. That was special. Um, you know, you and you and Solomon Mire in 2017, that very good partnership against Sri Lanka was good in the first ODI. But that partnership with you and BT, that, that was, I imagine, would go down as one of your favorites as well. The way that you dominated Ravindra, Ashwin and, and everybody else as well. Yeah, definitely. Look, at uh, India again, I was actually really disappointed that I got out there. Eh? Jeez, I was, Brendan and I, I love batting with Brendan. I don't know what it is, but there's something about batting with Brendan. And I think throughout my whole career, I'm going to just put this one out there, but I'm pretty certain that Brendan and I have got the most, well, every time we bat together, we, we normally, hopefully, contribute a 50-run partnership plus. Yeah. And if we don't, it's a very low percentage of it. Um, and normally, BT is the one that goes on to get 100. But yeah, him and I, I just understand him. I know what he's going to do. Um, and he encourages me and I seem to, I don't know, he's, I can't, we just look at each other and understand exactly mm. what's going on. Yeah. You know, we under, I know when he's going to run. He hasn't run me out yet. Um, and hopefully it stays like that. Touch wood. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just the way we play, we both sort of want to reverse pressure on the, on the opposition. So when, when you've got two guys doing that to you and it's coming off, it's hard as the fielding team to pull it back from there. Um, so yeah, it's just... It would have been good if we could have continued with that partnership because we got ourselves out of trouble and then sort of back into trouble again, slowed down, and then we picked up speed again. So, yeah, as we've got older, we've sort of picked up this, the pace on that and, and trying to get those partnerships going through and, and getting bigger. Um, obviously, Ross is another guy. I've got a few big partnerships with him. Um, but, yeah, that's it's all about the, the game, I guess, and you... You get these things and they just got to keep on moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Willie, there's so many other comparisons we can make. I understand exactly what you're saying. So there's not even always a great deal of calling between the wickets as well. So Ross Taylor Taylor and Kane Williamson, for example, of New Zealand are another very good pair. Um, You know, from a Zimbabwean perspective, naturally the Flower Brothers were probably the top of the pile. They never called. They just looked looked in each other's eyes, basically. Eye contact was made and they ran. Uh, Tatinda Taibun, Stuart Matsukaneri, another wonderful example of strike rotation and encouraging each other to to play their natural game so that's what you and brendan taylor have 
And then, unfortunately, Willie, along came something that was a, a huge, huge setback. And of course, it's it's behind us now. So, but it's something that will be spoken about, much like Alan Donald and Lance Klusner running running each other out in the 1999 yeah. World Cup, the 2018 qualifier, which went so badly wrong and which ensured that Zimbabwe didn't get to the World Cup. Let me tell you, I'm not afraid to admit I cried like a baby, and I'm sure many other people did when that happened as well. Take us back to the to the day it all went so wrong. <clears throat> I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, like leading up to that game, I wouldn't say we were confident, but we knew we had to play good cricket because they they are capable of playing good cricket, and they uh, played extremely good cricket against us in the 2015 World Cup, where they posted 286. So we knew that they were capable of it. But we we also knew that they we, we were sort of plan on planning on the lines of they they would if we would squeeze them for long enough up front, they would um, just sort of crumble, have that domino effect. And uh, it didn't happen that way. I think we lost we didn't bowl well up front. So we we lost there, then a little bit of rain came. Um, after I didn't bowl particularly well. I had that um, Operation where I had just before the World Cup qualifiers, I had a screw put in my finger, mm. um, so I couldn't tour with the team to Bangladesh. And then I started training with the screw in my finger just before. But anyway, um, back to the game. The morning of the game, everything seemed to be perfect. I was nice and relaxed, and everything. And then the crowd started filling up more and more, and it, it got full. I mean, it was pretty much shoulder to shoulder there, and uh, I love that. I think that's awesome. I feed off stuff like that, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. It just sort of fell apart. It, I wouldn't say it totally fell apart, but there was areas in that game where we could have scored quicker and we didn't. Um, bad shot selections. Um, pressure, basically, I would say got to the guys in the sense that we didn't need more than a runner ball, yet we were trying to get more than a runner ball, if you understand mm -hmm. what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we could have just knocked it around and wait for the bad ball instead of trying to make something happen. Um, I do, personally, uh, this is probably quite, could be personal, but I do think that the batting order was the wrong way around. Yeah. Um, I do think Craig should have come in ahead of Raza. That's my personal thoughts. Craig and I, again, going back to partnerships, I was in at the time, I was on 50, um, and then Raz came in and got a quick 30 and got out. But if Craig had come in, and played his natural way, as far as I'm concerned, we probably would have won with an over or two to spare, having Raz behind us as well as the big hitter. Um, because we didn't need, we needed seven runs and over. And when you've got guys rotating at seven runs, uh, rotating the strike seven runs and over, is actually quite easy to get without scoring a boundary. So, yes, yeah, you know, you know, I can point out so many things, but mm. honestly, I think that's... It's done. We, we made the mistake. Yeah, and it's done as well, isn't it, William? We can yeah. point out, I mean, it's, we're not going to get it back. So, But, no. I mean, just you're talking about the crowd. You know, just from a, a spectator and a media perspective, it was Harare Sports Club was a bit like walking into a coliseum, you know, like where gladiators fight. It was a totally different 
I, I mean, I've been watching cricket at sports clubs since 1995. I've been at very big crowds when England toured in 96, 97. This was a very different crowd in its entirety. You know, um, the noise was phenomenal up in the media center. I don't know what it would have been like out in the middle. It, it, it would have, I mean, so it's, it's speculated that there were approximately 15,000 people there. But to me, it sounded a bit closer to 30,000 purely because of the noise. Uh, and the support that you had, which I'm sure would have made it even harder for you to try and swallow with the support that came out and the singing and chanting and dancing and everything else that goes with it. Yeah, that was um, an unbelievable crowd. I, I, and I'm going to say this on the worst day of my cricketing career, that's the best crowd that I've had um, and at sports club. Um, yeah, it was one of those days where we'd walk over and say, you need to call loud because I cannot hear you and you need to look at me. Don't look where the ball, look where the ball's going and then look at me and make a decision. It was one of those days. Um, yeah, and the same in Bangladesh, it happens in Bangladesh where you literally cannot hear a word anybody says um, and you walk off the field with a sore throat. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, geez, I've even got goosebumps thinking about that day. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, I think I stayed in the change room until late that night once everybody had sort of left and I left. I left when once everybody had gone because I was I was hurt in the fact that I blamed myself because I had got to 80 um, and we only needed a 20 or 18 at the time when I got out and we managed to lose by four runs or three runs or whatever it was and obviously the Duckworth Lewis at the time I I will remember this is that also I remember guys didn't react well to how the duck with Lewis worked out because obviously you know your attitude towards something if something like the duck with Lewis for example they got 280 or whatever and then we needed say they got 230 and we needed 225 in 10 overs less that's basically what happened in that game Um, and we literally got the overs got to their total with 10 overs to spare if there had been no rain. So we played well to get there. But like I say, you know, when something like that happens, you can't control it. So we're gonna, we needed to, to turn it and say, look, this is the way it is, but we've got the guys. Hammy, Solly, let's go. Go and have fun. Um, but yeah, that day, geez, it was tense. Eh? There was a lot of tension flying around. And like, I, like I've been saying, you know, being relaxed and enjoying yourself out there and saying being positive the whole time, um, it, it's, it's tough. So it, it's a proper test of your attitude, like I said, in the sense of it's testing your attitude. You know, if you get, you get thrown some proper curveballs curve sometimes in life and it's your attitude on how you're going to, to take it on the chin and move forward and have a better day. Now, you've been very fortunate to play under a couple of good coaches. Uh, I mean, you've worked with Grant Flower, you've worked with Dave Houghton, you've had Lance Klusner as your batting coach, you've had Heath Streak as your head coach, Phil Simmons had a very big part to play in your development from under-19 level to uh, national level as well. Which one of the coaches would you say you've enjoyed coaching or working with and being tutored by up to your up to this point of your career? Jeez. You know, I've had quite a few, hey? Um, I've enjoyed them all, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to say David Houghton, I thoroughly enjoyed him. He was um, number one on my list. Um, Phil Simmons is another one. Mm. Um, 
Robin Brown, funny enough. You know, him and I, we always used to have our arguments and stuff. But again, I've learned so much from him. It's incredible. Uh, and Bundu Walla. Bundu Walla, I'm going to say, for, for me as a one-on-one coach, I'm going to say Bundu Walla has been my number one. Wow. Yeah, a real fatherly figure, as many people describe Bundu Walla exactly. as. Exactly. Real father if figure. For him at the, at the 2015 World Cup, I would never have achieved what I did. Unbelievable. So as we conclude, Willie, you, you're certainly not in the twilight of your career, but you're not getting any younger either. But there, I'm knowing you, there's still some gas in the tank. Um, you know, whether you're playing hockey or cricket, you are a very, very emotional person. You wear your heart on your sleeve. And I imagine, like so many people, me included, by the way, has that has got me into some strife and some trouble because sometimes we do things without thinking it's through. Is that is that one of the things you've tried to work on as well as captain as well, to try and temper that uh, or to, to curve that, that potential temper that can get you into a little bit of hot soup at times? Exactly what I've been working on, Dino. Um, that's a good question, actually. So I've actually been working on this for quite a long time now. Um, you know, you have personal issues at home. You have, you can, you people have issues outside of cricket, and it's sometimes, a lot of the time, actually, it's not really issues that you are wanting to share with the team. If you know what I mean, it's yeah. not really public knowledge. Yeah. Uh, something like that, and yeah, there's a couple of guys in the team that are, will, will are helping helping me with that. And like I said earlier on, um, when you asked me about the captaincy role, I said I go to Mr. Cool, and you know, Mr. Cool or Slugger, <laughs> he, he's my go-to guy. Um, no disrespect to Brendan or, or Jav or, or Raz or anyone, but Slugger is the guy that helps me make a good decision, and, and I'll continue to go to him for that. Um, and I, so far, so good. Mm. So... Yeah, it's it's work in progress, but it definitely has got a lot better. <laughs> um, and also, obviously, becoming a father, you know, you learn how to, you, you become patient, um, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so, Craig Oven having a very big part to play. And now, uh, so what would you have liked to have achieved if we were to have a chat in, in two or three years' time, which then probably would be the swan song of your career, uh, all things being fair? What would you have liked to have achieved as a player and as a captain? Well, as a captain, I obviously want to improve our rankings and I also want to change the way we play. Obviously, you know, cricket, like I said, is a game about hitting the ball um, and people must play the way they play. Um, that's obviously something that I look at. Um, team unity is another one, you know, let's enjoy ourselves while we do this. We can't just do the same thing every day, rock up to training, do what you need to do, go home. Let's, you know, let's spice things up a little bit. Let's do things together and have some fun, some paintball. You know, do anything, big falls, spongy jumping, something new mm. um, that the guys haven't done before. And also include their families in, in certain activities as well so that guys get to understand each other better. Um, and then for me personally, I would like to I would like to get my hundreds up there towards Alistair Campbell and Brendan Taylor because I personally feel like we discussed earlier, I've been left, I left myself short too many times in my career now. And after 130 games, I need to have, 300s is uh, for me it's not good enough um, so that needs to change alright so um, I have a challenge for you Willie I have a challenge for you Dave Houghton currently holds the highest test score of 266 he scored that at the young age of 37 I would like to see you better Dave Houghton score of 266 in a test match 
Okay, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Williams, Captain, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure being with you. You're always honest and frank, which is one of the many uh, things I admire about you. Thank you so much for taking time out to chat to us on Dean at Stumps. And we look forward to seeing you doing some wonderful things, both as a captain and as a player of the team in the future. It's a pleasure, Dina, and thank you so much for having me. And I hope you have a wonderful day. been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast. <laughs>